12, episode 4. Please proceed with caution. This podcast contains explicit material. It might make you blush. Welcome to 12 with Sarah Sloan, a podcast series exploring the 12 different ways a woman is apparently able to orgasm. I want to empower women and those who adore them by exploring the female erotic. I'm on a quest to learn more about my sexual desires and improve my relationship with myself, my body and my partner of 10 years, referred to here as H. If you are new to 12, I recommend you start at the beginning of the series. If you've listened to the first three episodes and liked them, please share and subscribe so other women can hear them too. This episode is dedicated to the A-spot. The A-spot is also known as the deep spot, which I thought sounded fun, if a little intimidating. Yes, it turns out I'm a bit of a prude in a way that has surprised me. Hmm, but hang on a second. Am I a prude? Or is it totally fair enough to be somewhat hesitant about exploration deep into your own body? Some people can't even put eye drops in. How interesting that I instantly judge myself for feeling intimidated. Social conditioning racing into the picture. The words frigid and uptight flashing into my head. So annoying, isn't it? That before I've even got off the starting blocks, I'm already wading through perceptions and opinions that aren't mine and that hold me back from my own pleasure. Grr! I saw a t-shirt in London's Waterloo station a few weeks back, worn by a fabulous 20-something-year-old woman. It simply read, Tuesday, take down the patriarchy. I caught myself grinning, and then I had to do some fancy footwork to avoid several fast-moving commuters. In my research, I discovered this guy called Jason Julius, who educates men about sex. Turns out Jason has been sharing sex advice for a decade via his blogs and now through YouTube where he has a cool 59,000 followers. His strapline is intelligence for the bedroom. I think he just manages to be both respectful and considerate without being creepy. I sent his YouTube video explaining how to find the A-spot to H. So, according to Jason, who was a good place to start for information, If you can stimulate the A-spot, you can give a woman a vaginal orgasm, supposed to a clitoral orgasm. His chat is that the vaginal orgasm is the most intense kind of orgasm because it involves the whole body. He then goes on to say that 80% of women have never experienced a whole body orgasm. But wait. As with so much information linked to female sexual pleasure, There are other sources that say that the A-spot doesn't exist and that instead it is the stimulation of the cervix that creates the pleasure and that women should expect slightly longer orgasms, say around 20 seconds, rather than a whole body experience. I have no idea where Jason got his statistic from but as a woman who has never had a full body orgasm I'm willing to believe it. And naturally, my immediate instinct was, yes please, sign me up like now. No pressure H, just get me into that VIP party so I can throw open the doors and hand out the free champagne. The A spot is so called because it is the anterior fornix that your lover is heading for. A pleasurable area of sensitive tissue at the top of the vaginal tube, between the cervix and the bladder. 
a few inches further inside than the G-spot. Unlike the G-spot, however, which is only found on the front of the vaginal wall, the A-spot covers the entire area of the vaginal passage at this point, so can be reached through anal sex as well as through the vagina. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I throw these biological words around, do not fear. You are not alone. As I mentioned in the previous episode, before I started 12, I definitely didn't know all of this stuff. I would strongly recommend you spend time piecing it all together. Knowing the names of these beautiful parts of our bodies will surely connect us more keenly to them. The more I read and the more I try out in the bedroom, the more I see how disconnected I have been from all this potential. So rather than trying to find the A spot through penetrative sex the first time, doggy style apparently, or during cowgirl, missionary with you on top, H and I agreed that he would seek it out during foreplay because we would have a better chance of knowing that we had definitely found it. This time, when we met under the covers, it was you, me, bedroom, now situation. And it was H who made it happen. He spotted a window, the first in what felt like and probably was ages, the golden gift of time. Honestly, I really wasn't in the mood, but I wanted to give it a go just in case we could make it work. Before travelling into the realm of the A-spot, I discovered that on that particular night, at that particular moment, I was wild for, wait for it, my palms being licked. Palm licking had never featured for us before. Most of you are probably nodding away knowingly to yourselves, come on sister, that old trick, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. For me, it was a new one. I was turned to jelly by this innocent erogenous zone. So when it came to finding the A spot, I was relaxed and happy, ready to give it a go. And I was excited, thinking of what Jason had promised, a whole body orgasm, that glorious sense of release and relief. I wondered if it would be as good as my G spot orgasm. I lay back and H used his index finger to go a couple of inches deeper than the G spot. Now, a lot of the advice is to use the old come-hither motion, like you're beckoning someone over to have a quiet word with them, which is how H started when he found it. He knew he had found it because I told him, yep, that's it. It had to be. It felt great, a new kind of great. But I didn't like the motion, so I used my finger on the back of H's neck to show him what I did want. It didn't have to be the back of his neck, it's just that's where my hand landed. A gentle pulse, similar to how I had stimulated myself when I found the G-spot. Oh, but again, ladies, I let you down. I couldn't stay in the pleasure. I shut it down before it really got going. Honestly, I found it more intense than I expected. It was pleasurable, but there was also another feeling. A feeling of my own anatomy. Unlike with the G-spot when I was so turned on I couldn't wait and the U-spot when I was worried about H and his needs, with the A-spot I found it hard to get past the feeling of him being so obviously deep inside me. With a penis there is this fabulous sensation of being filled up. With this it was a new sensation and it freaked me out a little. 
I would say, however, that the clitoral orgasm that followed was way more intense than usual. I'm sure that the A-spot played a part in that, and all that giggling. There was a lot of tickling that night. It's all so innocent, really, just seeking out a deep connection with another human being. And then H said something which totally resonated with me and made my heart swell. He said that I must try and be a little braver and stay with the pleasure for longer. He said that change was difficult and often frightening, so it was understandable that I kept pulling away. Next time, he suggested, I need to be prepared to let go. Love him. But it's not easy, is it, to let go? Inga Muschio writes in her book, Cunt, quote, Getting what you want sexually is a huge achievement, and it seems to frighten a lot of women. And it's not surprising, really, when you look at all the different elements that impact on our sex lives, our biology, how we are uniquely designed, neuropsychology, how the brain and nervous system impacts our thoughts and behaviours, our past experiences, that tragically for one in three women will include physical and or sexual violence, culture, the conditioning that we were born into, our environment, are we relaxed or stressed, and the practical, what feels good, what do we want? And that doesn't even take into consideration the fact that you're with another human being who you have emotions for and that you also want to make happy. I'm sure I've missed a lot of stuff out here and that this is potentially a bit of a muddled list, but regardless, it is a long list and our relationship to these elements can be incredibly complex. Let's take cultural influences, for example. Back in Renaissance Europe, some prostitutes or courtesans were revered. They were cultural leaders and, in some instances, fashion setters, experts on poetry, art, music, languages, as well as sexual pleasure. I've just googled prostitute and there must be over 150 slang words, reams of them. One word caught my attention because it seems so pedestrian. Bridge. How can bridge relate to prostitution? Bridges, and I quote, the act of inserting, then firing a shotgun into the anus of a prostitute post-sex, followed by the acquisition of her money and narcotics. We're apparently so disposable, us women. I feel humbled, because my little 12 journey is such a world away from what so many women are dealing with. Or is it? When I was at an education conference a few years back, a women's lunch was included in the programme. We were asked to talk in groups about what we found difficult about being a woman in our context. Our table was made up of Americans, Romanians, Swedish and British. Our list was long and included the glass ceiling, the vast majority of children's books being written with a male protagonist, mature women being referred to as girls and so on. When the wider group came together to share, a woman from Pakistan stood up and talked about sex trafficking and child brides. Another woman talked about female genital mutilation. Unquestionably horrific examples of how men are suppressing and exploiting women, a completely different league to what was discussed on my table. Initially, I felt embarrassed and ridiculous about what we had identified as difficulties to overcome. But now, as I reflect, I can see that actually there was a lot that we, I, didn't mention. That there was possibly a lack of honesty 
or awareness about how the patriarchal system is impacting women in the West. In Inga's book, she shares an interview with Soraya Meyer, who made Fire Eyes, a film about genital mutilation. Soraya talks about the lack of sisterhood and the loneliness of so many Western women. I've learned that American women look at women like me to hide from their own pain. She went on to say, and this is quite a long quote, in America, women pay the money that is theirs and no one else's to go to a doctor who cuts them up so they can create or sustain an image men want. Men are the mirror. Western women cut themselves up voluntarily. In my country, a child is woken up at three in the morning, held down and cut with a razor blade. She has no choice. Western women pay to get their bodies mutilated. Clitoroplasty is the procedure women have if their genitals have been mutilated according to the custom they were born into. According to the World Health Authority, 200 million women across Africa, Southeast Asia and the Middle East are survivors of FGM. Clitoroplasty is the rebuilding of the clitoris and means that women can have both the look of their vulva and their pleasure back. Men who are changing gender and becoming women may also have this surgery. As I've already said, I'm not an academic or an expert in any way. I'm just reading around this subject and trying to make sense of it all. But when I learn about labiaplasty, vaginoplasty and vaginal facelifts, I have to question what the Donald Duck is going on. There is absolutely no judgement here of women who have had these procedures, but I am questioning a culture in which these are seen as everyday options for perfectly healthy women. Let's start with what they are. Labiaplasty reduces the size of the labia minora, the doors protecting the vaginal opening. Vaginoplasty is a surgical procedure that aims to, quote, tighten up a vagina that's become slack or loose. A vaginal facelift uses laser treatment instead of surgery. Both are predominantly sold to mothers who may have experienced unwanted changes to their vaginas following birth or the ageing process. According to the Journal of Sexual Medicine, a study of women who had gone through labiaplasty found that 32% of women who underwent the procedure did so to correct a functional impairment, 31% to correct a functional impairment and for aesthetic reasons, and 37% for aesthetic reasons alone. So why are women paying money to change the look of their vulvas and vaginas? Could it have anything to do with the fact that our primary reference point for what they look like is pornography? And that pornographic images of women's genitals are often digitally manipulated? Or that the performers themselves have had this surgery? That perhaps if more women knew that vulvas are as different as human faces, no one alike, they wouldn't go under the knife? Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> Four years ago, a change in requirements of publicly funded Australian plastic surgery meant that women were told about natural variation in labias and it led to a 28% reduction in the number of surgeries performed. If you haven't already, check out Laura Dodsworth's 100 Vaginas documentary or follow the Vulva Gallery on Instagram and celebrate vulva diversity. Naomi Wolf talks at length in her book Vagina about pornography. 
When addressing the aesthetics, she says this. The mass-produced pornographic vagina is to the real vagina what genetically modified food is to organic food. What I am realising is that I can't simply sail through the 12 without engaging with what it means to be a woman in my context. I agree with Soraya. I can't help anyone until I've honestly looked at my own pain. Unsurprisingly, this search for pleasure is anchored in a need to heal. Heal what exactly? I'm not sure of just yet. So the deep spot unearths some deep and complex stuff, as you have heard. On a lighter note, I was told by friends who regularly enjoy A-spot orgasms that the Fun Factory do a great line in vibrators that are designed to hit the A-spot, bringing on vaginal orgasms supposed to clitoral ones. You can also get vibrators that stimulate both, producing what is called a blended orgasm. More on blended orgasms later in the series. And they come in great colours, not just pink. Something for the birthday list. Next episode, my old friend, the clitoral orgasm. Follow and connect via Instagram at 12 for pleasure And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share so other women can hear it too. Thanks for listening.